0: Thank you. you to stand. We're going to look at Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46 today. We're going to look at two parables this morning. They're brief ones, but I want to read this scripture to you. Uh, The parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. The parable of the pearl of great value. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Father, we just come to you now, Lord, and ask that you would open our eyes and our ears and make our minds and our hearts receptive to your truth, God, that we would see the realities of your kingdom in these parables as we walk through this today, Lord. We just ask that if there is anything that's, that's spoken here this morning that's less than the fullness of your truth, God, I just ask that it would fall to the ground. And most importantly, God, we ask that your spirit fill this space in this room and everything we hear is filtered through you, that we may have a deeper understanding and knowledge of your kingdom and desire it more greatly. And we ask all that in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you can have a seat. So, um... Back in April, Doreen and I took a thirtieth anniversary trip to Ireland. And and when we do stuff, when we when we go off on trips like that, it was just the two of us. And one of the things we like to do on the way back is kind of just debrief download and process and, and it was a great trip and we saw so much beauty and and just wonder all around us. But as we got on the plane to come back, um, I asked her this question, which is typically when we we go off together, this is the, the question that kind of is part of us processing the experience. And so the question was this, what's your takeaway from the trip? What did God invite you into exploring and appreciating more through this trip? And her answer was light. There were days where it was overcast and, and then the sun would come out and everything just looked different in the light. And, and I noticed it too, but, but her takeaway was, you know, that God is light and Jesus is the light of the world. And when you see things illuminated with light, they look completely different. And then um, she asked me what my takeaway was and mine was two words, desperation and devotion. Yeah, as we traveled around, we saw all these beautiful cathedrals and churches and, and things that people had built out of devotion to God. But we also saw places where uh, very early in, in the Christian church, like 2, 3, 400 A.D., these followers of Jesus had gone off to just live lives of full devotion to him in remote sites, and, and um, they had said, you know what, we're gonna alter our life we're going to go just to be along with God and seek him in, in different ways other than being kind of trapped in our culture. And honestly, when I left Ireland, I got on the plane and I had this, this desire for this greater desperation and this, this deeper devotion in my own life. And, and I felt as if my desperation for God's kingdom wasn't really adequate. That, that you know I wanted it, but it wasn 't the same desperation I just wasn 't desperate enough for the kingdom of god and and I felt like my level of devotion to jesus wasn 't deep enough. I felt like you know I had this this devotion, but I wanted a devotion that would lead me to a place where all I sought was god 's kingdom, the kind of devotion that would lead me to live a life, not necessarily to run off somewhere on my own, but to live a life that every moment was this deep devotion and, and so desperation and devotion have kind of been two words that have just been the spiritual residue for me from that trip for the last few months. Now, unfortunately for you, I wanna invite you into sharing in my longing for desperation and devotion today. And so here's my question for you. What are you desperate for? What are the things that preoccupy your mind this morning, the things that when you think about them, you start to feel there's no way I can live well or be okay without these things. What are you desperate for? And the next question is this, what are you devoted to? What are the non-negotiable things in your life, the things that you stand on and say, I will never give this up, I cannot give this up. My devotion is to this thing and I'm gonna hang on to it. Things that you seek with every fiber of your being and every breath of your life. What are those things? What are you desperate for? What are you devoted to? And so desperation and devotion just kind of kept rolling around in my soul for the past three months. And now I get to share them with you and invite you into experiencing some desperation and devotion in your own life. So you're welcome. Thank you. And see, here's the thing. Desperation and devotion are not just an invitation from me, but they're an invitation from Jesus also. And we're gonna see that in these two parables that we're looking at today. In these two brief little parables, Jesus is inviting all of us into desperation and devotion. And I believe that desperation and devotion are critical for us as a church if we plan to live into our purpose, Specifically, the the first facet of our purpose, to love God passionately. See, these parables contain an invitation to love God passionately. And they show us that loving God passionately is marked by those two things, desperation and devotion. And so first, we look at these parables. We get the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. And these two parables reveal two critical truths about the kingdom of heaven. And I think that these truths demand a response of desperation and devotion, respectively. And I hope that by the time that we leave this morning, all of us are feeling this insatiable, unsatisfiable itch for desperation and devotion. And so we're gonna look at the parable of the hidden treasure first. My hope is that you, when you see the kingdom of heaven as it truly is, you will become desperate for it. When you see it as it is in reality, that nothing will hold you back in desperation for it. But listen, it's not a desperation that's hopeless and anxious. It's not a desperation of a person on a sinking ship or lost on a desert island. The desperation for the kingdom that we're invited into is actually to be joyously desperate. I'm going to show you that in one second. So look at verse 44 in Matthew 13. and It says, the kingdom of heaven is like. So the parables of Jesus in Matthew 13 are all parables of the kingdom. He's revealing things about the kingdom in these parables in Matthew 13. And remember, in the parables, Jesus is revealing a truth about the kingdom of heaven to those who have been given eyes to hear our eyes to see and ears to hear from the Holy Spirit. Remember last week in the parable of the sower, Jesus said, you can't understand this unless you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so in all the parables of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 13, Jesus is taking something that his hearers would know and understand. And he's saying, this I'm gonna use to reveal a truth to you about the kingdom of heaven. And so when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, he's telling us the known thing he's gonna use to explain the kingdom. In this case, the known thing is a treasure hidden in a field. Now that might be odd to us. We typically don't roam around hiding treasures in field. But you gotta remember, for his hearers, this would have been familiar. See, back in that day, they didn't have safes. They didn't have banks. And so if somebody was going on a journey, last thing you wanted to do was take all your riches with you because you might be robbed on the way but you also didn't want to leave them in your house because somebody might come in and take them. So what people would do is they'd go into one of their fields, they'd bury their treasures, and then, oftentimes, they didn't make it back. So what would happen is this treasure would just sit there. And, and it, it would not be uncommon for somebody to get a field and start working it or start building something. They buy a field, they go in and they start working it, they're going to plant, they're going to build something, and lo and behold, they find a treasure. And so that, that found treasure would have been the property of the owner of the field. So it would make sense if you found a treasure in a field to go buy that field so that you now own that treasure which is exactly what the person in this parable did. He discovers a treasure in the field, he goes out and he buys the field. Now we're gonna have to put all the ethical and legal questions aside, right? Because it doesn't sound very ethical to go, oh, I was walking through my neighbor's yard, I found a treasure buried, so I hid it, went and bought their house without telling them so they could have it. We're gonna put all that aside for a moment because the parable is about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. So we're going to stick with the main point. Basically what Jesus is saying here is that there is nothing of more value than the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing of more value than the kingdom of heaven. That is his point in this parable. When you see the kingdom of heaven as it is, you will see its supreme and surpassing value when you see it as it is. And so we, as followers of Jesus who are seeking the kingdom of God, we should actually be praying that the Holy Spirit would constantly reveal to us the fullness of the kingdom of God. That we would see it as it truly is. Now let's go back to verse 44. Listen to this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the kingdom is in the field now. When the man was walking across the field, the kingdom was already there. It's in the field, but it may not be fully unearthed or even discovered yet, but it's present nonetheless. That's important for us to understand as the church because oftentimes we look around the world and we don't see the kingdom of God. We don't see the kingdom of heaven. We see the kingdoms of people and governments and agendas and politics and all these things, but we don't necessarily see the kingdom of heaven. But know this. It's present nonetheless. It is here in this world now and it's of exceeding value and worth. It's worth more than anything else we could ever imagine. So now we have to look at the response of the man who finds the hidden treasure in the field. It's an invitation to us to respond the same way when we discover the kingdom of heaven. And so it says this, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The man found it. He knew he had to obtain it no matter what the cost. The point here is not that you can buy the kingdom of heaven, the point here is that it is worth more than anything else you could ever have. It's worth more than any riches you can stockpile, any esteem people can cast on you, any value you can find in yourself. In short, having found the kingdom of heaven in this world, in that field, the man became desperate for it. He said, this above all else is what I need and I'm willing to get rid of everything else for this. But notice it says, in his joy, his desperation was joyful. It wasn't anxious. The joy of the kingdom of heaven is this having found it, having seen the kingdom, you begin to realize that you can actually have it. That is the joy of the kingdom of heaven. I've found it, I've seen it, and now I've begun to realize that I can actually enter into it. Listen to this from Daniel 7, verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Again, listen to Luke 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock. This is Jesus talking. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you see that? God wants us to possess the kingdom. He wants us to be in the kingdom. He wants us to have the kingdom. Jesus wants us to have the kingdom because God wants to give it to us. But we have to respond the same way this man responded. He became desperate for it, sold all that he had, and in his joy, purchased that field so that he could have that treasure desperation is what led him to do this. Notice what he did. He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Did he want the field? No. He didn't want the field, but he knew that the field contained the treasure. So nothing else had mattered anymore after that. Having encountered the kingdom, we should be the kind of people who can look and say, nothing else matters at this point. I have found the kingdom of God. I've been invited into the kingdom of God. It's where I can abide and stay and live. Therefore, nothing else matters. That's the type of desperation I want us as a church to experience. (laughs) Having seen the kingdom, having experienced it, having tasted it, we realize that there is nothing else worth hanging on to. I don't need to cling to anything else that we would be the kind of people who would give up all that we have to be in the kingdom, to possess it as our home now and forever. That's the desperation this man responds with. See, the reality of the kingdom that Jesus gives us in this parable is that it is is worth more than anything else in this world. The response Jesus invites us into in this parable is to desperately, desperately seek the kingdom of heaven, to give up all else, to have the kingdom. There is desperation. And that's the only reasonable response to having found something that's worth more than anything else. And so now we need to deal with this word devotion. And so we're gonna look at this pearl of great value in verse 45. Listen to this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, So if you remember, the kingdom of heaven is like, is Jesus' way of saying, hey, I'm going to compare the kingdom to something that you know so that you'll understand the kingdom better. And now I know this, a lot of people interpret this particular parable about the pearl of great value and they say that the kingdom is the pearl. And that's fine if you interpret it that way. I do have a little bit of an issue with that and the issue I have with it is this. Jesus said the kingdom is like a merchant he didn't say the kingdom is like a pearl. He could have easily said the kingdom is like a pearl, but he said the kingdom is like a merchant. And so here's why I think that point matters. If the kingdom is the merchant, then the kingdom is purposefully, intentionally searching for something, right? The merchant went out seeking and searching. In this case of this parable, the merchant went out seeking and searching a pearl. One pearl of great value. And we'll get to the pearl in just a moment. But listen to this. A searching merchant as the kingdom seems to line up with Luke 19 verse 10 where it says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so the kingdom as a merchant is seeking a pearl. In Luke 19, Jesus as the Son of Man is coming and seeking and searching the lost. Why did Jesus, what did Jesus say he came to do here? He said, I came to seek, to search, and to find. What's the merchant doing in Matthew 13, 45? Seeking, searching, and finding. The merchant and the son of man are both seeking something. In the parable of the hidden treasure, the man just stumbles across a treasure. He's not seeking it. He's not actively pursuing it. He just happens to stumble across it. But the merchant here, who is the kingdom, finds the pearl of great value because he was searching for it. He set out to say, I'm going to find a pearl of great value. And I found one. And what's he do? He does something familiar. He does the same thing the man did. Sells it all to purchase that pearl. Listen to verse 46. Who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, the merchant, the kingdom, sells all he has to buy that pearl. Well, at this point, wouldn't it make sense for us to know what that pearl is? If the kingdom of God, if Jesus, the Son of Man himself, is saying, I am willing to pay all there is to have this pearl, then we may need to know what that pearl is. Listen to this in 1 Peter 1 18 and 19 knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Do you see what's happening here? The kingdom ransomed you, not with precious things that are perishable like gold or silver, but with the most precious thing that is imperishable, the blood of Christ who is the kingdom. The kingdom is the merchant searching for the pearl. Jesus, the perfect, imperishable, glorious, and magnificent Lamb of God, the kingdom of God in the flesh, sees you as that pearl of great value. And as such, He's fully devoted Himself to you. He sold all that he has to purchase that one pearl of great value that you would be his with him and in him and he in you forever and ever. And so here's the question I have for you as we think about the merchant as the kingdom of God seeking that pearl of great value, which is you and me. Here's the question, what is the only reasonable response to someone who is this devoted to you? What is the only reasonable response to someone who is this devoted to you? Is it not to be fully devoted to him? If someone comes to you and is in relationship with you with this level of devotion, would you not be a fool to not meet that same level of devotion? Christ himself is the merchant in this parable. We are the pearl. And he says, my level of devotion goes to the depths of everything that I am. Now here's the difference. The depths of everything that he is is far greater than the depths of everything I am. Because he is God in the flesh, he is perfect, he is glorious, and I am not. Hate to shatter any illusions anybody has, but I am not. And so even when Jesus comes to me and says, I will be fully devoted to you, my response is still inadequate, even if it's full devotion. And so what we have to understand is the merchant here is not only willing to pay the price for this pearl of great value, but he's willing to pay the price that will allow that pearl in any inefficiencies and inadequacies it has to still have great value the value of the pearl is the price that was paid, not the pearl itself. Now I know that there are gonna be people in this room who are struggling to accept that Jesus sees you as a pearl of great value. I know that. I've been there. You believe, some of us believe, that that's true for everybody else. I can look at others, and I can see you the way Jesus does as this pearl of great value, but I can't see myself that way. Can I point one thing out to you in verse 46 in Matthew 13? Just one thing. If you're thinking that way right now, listen to this. On finding one pearl of great value. How many pearls did the merchant need to find to sell it all? Just one. Just one. He didn't say, I found this stash of pearls and that's worth me selling everything. He said just one. And so here's the thing, if you struggle to accept that Jesus views you as a pearl of great value, will you do me a favor? Will you just close your eyes for a moment and will you just imagine that you are the only person who's ever been born on this planet? And now here's the question, if you are the only person who's ever been born on this planet, does that change anything about the kingdom? No. Nothing at all. It doesn't change anything about the kingdom of God. And so what that means then is that he would do what he did to purchase you if you were the only one. If you were the only pearl of great value, this merchant would still sell everything he owns for you. Now here's the thing. If you don't remember anything else I've said today, you must remember what I'm about to say right now. You are the pearl of great value. You are that pearl. Some of us looking around, some of you are, are, are so uncomfortable with that that you don't even want to look up. You just want to sit with your head down and shrink because you don't want to hear that, because you can't believe it. And if you can't believe it, then you can't accept it. But if you're sitting in this room right now and you're struggling to accept that, I want you to do something. I want you to look up at me right now. I want you to look me in the eye and I want you to hear this. You are the pearl of great value. The kingdom of God, the merchant, Jesus Christ Himself, sold everything for that pearl. And so to him, you are the one. To us, you're not the one. We're all the one. But to him, you are that one. And see, here's the two realities of the kingdom that Jesus gives us in this parable, that we, these two parables, we have to understand. The kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything else ever anywhere. The kingdom of heaven sees you as more valuable than anything else ever, anywhere. When you put these two truths together, there's only one reasonable response to become desperate for the kingdom of God and to become fully devoted to the one who sees you and sees me as worth giving all of himself for. It's the only reasonable response. And so all that's left knowing that the kingdom is of great value and that the kingdom sees me as having great value, all that's left is for us to respond. This is truth. This is reality. The question now becomes, what do we do with it? And we have to respond with desperation to possess the kingdom that God desires to give us. Desperation that says, I need nothing else. I want nothing else. Lord, if it is your good pleasure to give me this kingdom, I will make space for it in my life and receive it. And then we need to be desperate to allow the total and absolute rule of the kingdom of heaven in our lives. Because I can tell you this, Every issue in my life, every struggle in my life, every situation that's gone poorly is not a product of the kingdom of heaven ruling. It's a product of me ruling when the kingdom of heaven should have ruled. And so peace comes as the kingdom of heaven takes over greater and greater rule in my life because I'm becoming increasingly more desperate for that. We must respond with devotion to the one who's devoted to us Those are the only two reasonable responses. Become desperate, become devoted. There's no other path forward in these parables. If the kingdom is that hidden treasure, I should be desperate for it. If I am that pearl of great price and the kingdom is that merchant seeking me out, I should become devoted to him. Desperation and devotion lead to loving God passionately. If we as a church are gonna love God passionately, then we will do it through the paths of desperation and devotion. Passionate love builds up, rises up, gets fanned into flame when we're desperate. Passionate love becomes active in our lives when we're devoted. It's the only way we will become a people who love God passionately, is to be desperate and devoted. See, the desperation and devotion acknowledge not only the exceeding value of his kingdom in my eyes, but also acknowledges my exceeding value in his eyes. That's what I think we need as a church, as people who need to heal, who need to come alive in Christ. I believe that if as we begin to see the value we have in the eyes of Christ, much of our past mistakes and sorrows will be washed away. We won't see ourselves as a product of our worst decisions. We'll see ourselves as a product of Jesus' great love. And so, can I just, if you're sitting here today and you go, yeah, but I'm not really a pearl of great value. Can I just take a little moment and, and point out how pearls are made? If you know how pearls are made, I apologize in advance, but, but I just want to take a moment explain this so that maybe you'll begin to see that the process of a pearl being made is a process that Jesus is working in us. See, here's the thing. Pearls aren't made from comfort and peace. They're made from irritation and discomfort. A pearl is formed when sand or some other irritant gets inside an oyster. And then that oyster begins, in its irritation, begins to secrete a substance called nacre, And this substance builds micro layer after micro layer over this rough little grain of sand. And as it builds, it's smooth. And this makes the sand tolerable for the uh, oyster. And so it keeps doing it. And and it becomes something that can abide in the, the oyster as it layers it. And I know some of us think that Jesus could never see us as that pearl of great value because we think we've just done too much to irritate him. Honestly, we look at our past and we go, yeah, if Jesus is the oyster, I am the intolerable sand. If you place me in him, he, he's just gonna be irritated. There's no way he can have comfort with me in him because I know me and I'm bad. I've, been, I've lived a horrible life and there's no place for me in him so he'll, he's just gonna spit me out. And we, we think that our sin and our failings are just more than he can stand. There's just no way I can take that in. And so we're the grain of sand that he says, yeah, I got to get this out of here. But the truth is in the same way that this oyster is covering that grain of sand with something that leads to beauty and purity, Jesus actually wants to cover us that same way. If we just accept that we are that pearl of great value to him, then we'd be able to accept that he's the one who's transforming us by covering us with his own nature and his own character, his own perfection. And when he's done, when he's transformed us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll see what he sees. A perfect and pure pearl of great value. When we realize that this is what he's doing in us, then we're actually going to become more desperate for his kingdom and more devoted to him. And so here's what I want to invite you into. I want to invite you into cultivating a heart of desperation for the kingdom of God through prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the fullness of the kingdom of God to you. I want you to begin to see it in ways maybe you haven't seen it before. Begin to see it as this great treasure that's worth selling everything for. Moving away from anything of this world and saying, I need nothing else other than this. And then as you see God's kingdom more fully, you see the value in it in ways maybe you haven't seen before, then I want to invite you into cultivating a heart of devotion to God. We do it the same way we develop desperation. It's through prayer. Through prayer, we enter into this divine romance with Jesus, the one who looks at me and sees a pearl of great value, who then says, you know what? There's nothing worth hanging on to for this pearl. I'll give it all up. I'll sell it all, just so I can have you. And oftentimes I think what happens is we don't enter into that divine romance with Jesus makes us uncomfortable. So what we do is we enter into divine knowledge of him. We want to engage our heads so that I can tell you all about him. I can know everything about him. But the invitation from this parable about the pearl of great value is not an invitation of knowledge. Think about it. Consider for a minute what this merchant would have done with one pearl of great value after he got it, what would he have done with that? Certainly he wasn't planning on selling it, right? He sold everything he had to get it. Where do you think that pearl ended up? I think that pearl ended up in a special place in this merchant's life. I think it became something that he held on to just to have. Not because of what it could do for him, not because of what it said about him, not because of what he could buy with it, but simply because he saw a level of beauty in this pearl that he said, I want that beauty in my life. Doesn't that sound like a romance? If we are that pearl of great value and Jesus is the merchant, then he's looked at everyone in this room and everyone who's ever lived and said, I want that beauty in my life for all eternity, not just for a moment, But forever, I want to hold you as my pearl of great value. Not to do something with, not to sell and get something else, not to build a monument to, but simply to have as mine. That's a romance. As we begin to enter into that divine romance with Jesus through prayer, we'll begin to see ourselves as that pearl of great value. We'll begin to understand how much he paid to have us. And our response will be devotion. And so I want to invite you into that this week. Two things, two simple things. One, ask the Holy Spirit in your prayer times to show you the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Because once you see it, I promise you this, you'll be desperate for it. And all the things of this earth, as the song says, will grow strangely dim. And the other thing I want to invite you into in your times of prayer is to approach Jesus not as the one who can do what you want done, but as the one that you just want to be with. Enter into that divine romance with him, that presence that says, you have value in my life that's exceeding everything else, and I know I have value in your life that's exceeding everything else, so let's just be together. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that your kingdom is one of such surpassing value that we can't even fathom it. that, That there are places in your kingdom that you have designed for us out of love. And so God, help us see those things. Just the value of your kingdom that exceeds everything else we could ever possess or desire or have here. And Lord, also make us a people whose eyes are open to the depths of the devotion of your son to us help us see that through your eyes we are a pearl of great value and that you are like that merchant seeking everywhere to find what was lost and then paying the fullest price to redeem it and make it your own and so god help us live into this divine romance of presence with jesus every aspect of our lives in him. Let him be that constant companion with us as we walk in all things. We ask all this in his name. Amen.